Forbes magazine calls him one of the most listened to recording artists of our time, with more than 3 billion streams and 11 number one albums on top Billboard charts. This is All Heart with Paul Cardall. Welcome to season five of All Heart. I'm your host, Paul Cardall. If you're tuning in for the first time, this podcast is an opportunity to hear from people I admire mainly because of the gifts God has blessed them with and how they're using these gifts to make the world a better place. We get to the heart of why they do what they do in hopes of inspiring and encouraging you to fine-tune the gifts God has also given you. Cause you took my scars, bruises and We're going to learn from Deanne Carpenter today, a brilliant author of Throwing Confetti, on what we can do to start becoming more effective leaders as a force for good in the world. She has specific tools that she's going to teach us about that are in this new book of hers, Throwing Confetti. Now, the other aspect of Deanne is her husband, Brian, and her two children. They founded Refuge. And uh, Refuge is something I want her to tell us about. I had the experience of going to Refuge, which is a week retreat in the mountains of Wyoming. It's very poetic and and, uh, ideal for men and women to get away from society, not have our cell phones, to unplug, and to be in nature, to be with God, to fellowship with other people, to sit around a table and share in a trusted environment and to have her husband, Brian, lead these conversations after we've gone out horseback riding, fly fishing. I mean, this is my my world, having grown up in Utah. This was just incredible for everybody involved. They do these week-long retreats throughout the year for people who lead, who have their cup empty and need their cup filled. They need a refuge from the whirlwind of trying to make the world a better place, serving, but they need to be served. And this is a week where they are served. It was an incredible thing. So I'll have her talk more about how they started Refuge, and we'll get into the details of how to become better leaders. So let's have this conversation with Deanne Carpenter. Hey, Deanne. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Well, hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, Brian was telling all us about your book and I was like, wow, this is perfect for my podcast. So I love that. Thanks so much. I think the thing here is that you have specific tools that you've learned over the years on really how to not just serve people, but how to do it with joy and to see the good in them. So they want to serve not, you know, cause so many times we get the tools, but it's like, yeah, but we need to feel like that we're worthy of serving. We have to have a vision, a mission, a purpose higher than ourselves. And as much as I love the people that we get to serve on a daily basis, day in and day out, it's um, if I did it just to their end, it it might not be enough for me, you know? So, so I've got to get before the Lord to hear from Him, have His heart, His mind. And when I have that, it's then it's overflow. Then I'm serving 
out of much more than um, just for the benefit of others, which I do think is a beautiful thing. But at the end of the day, I think I've got more energy, more vision, more purpose uh, behind the service. So yeah, it's a big deal. I love that. I want to get into how you're able to equip your mind to think like that. Before I, we do, though, I think we ought to, I think we ought to explain what the Refuge Foundation is that you started with your husband, <laughs> because you are. That's in a, so great. You're in an environment where you know. I grew up in Utah, so I love the mountains. And when I'm in the mountains and don't have my cell phone, it's easier to get acquainted with God and feel his presence. So you do have that blessing wow. and that gift yeah. of, being, <laughs> of being, you know, a country girl. Um, you and your husband have this ministry, but I want, let's go back. Are you, yeah. are you from the country or is this you just a boy from Montana? <laughs> well, I'm originally from North Dakota, born and raised in, uh, in Bismarck. My dad was, uh, worked at the game and fish wildlife management. So I grew up hunting and fishing and on a farm or, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm, but we had a farm we'd go off to. And quite honestly, I didn't think that would be my future lifestyle. You know, I, I didn't ever have dreams to, uh, to live on a reservation in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but as God would have it, it is so beautiful to live on the Bighorn river, just surrounded by, you know, a lot of people we love. So it, it's been amazing. Um, not what I had in mind at all, but yeah, with refuge, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory here. We, you know, first of all, I'll say this, my husband would probably tell it much differently. He'd talk about you know, he's, he's probably saw a gap and looked at statistics and thought we better do something about this problem. But for me, I, I guess I think it kind of happened by accident in a sense. We were, um, working at a church together, serving high school, college age people, women's ministry. And, um, and we get away to conferences, we'd meet people. And as soon as they found out we lived in Montana, of course, fishing would come up and we'd, invite them out to come in the summers. And, um, and after a week away, we'd notice, you know, not just what it did for them, but what it did for us, what it did for Brian, how it recalibrated him and, and, um, you know, changed him, renewed his vision, sparked something different in our marriage. And so I think ultimately we needed it for ourselves and we saw the way it, it blessed other people. And then after they'd come, they'd want to invite their friends the next summer. And, They'd want to invite more friends. And so we gathered volunteers and, um, and those volunteers turn into staff that turned into two locations and a lot more staff. And yeah, now we get to serve people that lead all over the world at different capacities. A lot of people in the nonprofit sector, a lot of people leading in business and, um, yeah, so so it's an honor to be able to serve people so that they can continue their good works to serve other people. Yeah, because we started looking at the Barna research and realized, wow, burnout is, um, <laughs> it's no respecter of people. And uh, it, it's going to happen eventually if we're not taking care of the people who are constantly taking care of other people because there's a lot of giving and not always a lot of receiving. So we just said, Hey, I think this is a pretty easy way to do it. And, uh, through that, a lot of relationship happens and connections and more people being known and feeling seen and hearing God connecting them back to the creator. And yeah, it's, it's been quite an amazing thing. You mentioned your husband was able to recalibrate and I, I know yeah. just one week, 
for me at refuge with the other, I mean, these are some of the most popular Christian artists that I was fortunate to be there with. And you guys have leaders in various, you know, business aspects, but I was there during a, a, work, yeah. a week of artists were creatives and creatives. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but to sit there after a day of fly fishing and a lot of the guys had never been fly fishing um, yeah. just to catch one little fish is like getting a Grammy. That's how excited they were. <laughs> and then to go horseback riding, you know, and feel like mm. on the set of Yellowstone, but that's I, right. Right. And that all prepared us for the evenings around the fire, but prior mm-hmm. to that dinner and then round table talk. And if listener, if you've never participated in a small group, where you sit around a table, a table of love and trust mm. led by somebody whose whole purpose is to make you feel and understand your value to God. This is what it is. Yeah. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter how successful you are, whatever accolades or awards or recognition you get, you know, everybody wanting to talk to you, everybody needs to feel validated as Absolutely. normal human beings, children of God. Yeah. So you guys provided that. So it was just, oh man, it was just so cool. And then you were busy with the staff, encouraging them, making sure <laughs> every, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, we don't see, but we know. <laughs> You know, from the way that we're treated and loved through the week, um, did and and we were recalibrated the way you say it. How did you develop these gifts as as a, as a woman, as a leader, as a person to be able to know how to to harness to create that kind of mm. atmosphere and world for people. Wow, that's so good. Um, well, first of all, Paul, I love your experience. I think to your point, a lot of people ask or, you know, maybe say, so you guys run a fly fishing ministry and and we always say, no, fly fishing is the tool to get you to the table because I think a lot of times men or women, we need activity, we need um, shared experiences and shared spaces to be able to let down at night and and start to open up. So, so it really is just a kind of a bait and bait and switch here, just a tool to get you to the table. And all of our staff know that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Our staff know that for sure. And um, you know, it, gosh, I don't know if I know how to to answer this really eloquently. I mean, of course, we do our best to love and serve these guys behind the scenes. I mean, the sacrificing that they have to do, the sacrifice that's required to serve people day in and day out like that is um, a high one. And, you know, you move out to the middle of nowhere. It's community is beautiful and also very messy, especially with the 20 something, you know, we work with a lot of 20 somethings and they're still find it, trying to find their place and, and their identity and navigate what life looks like for them. So, um, that can be a messy thing, but, but what they do know is that we do it together and we, we do the mess together and 
we're honest, we're authentic, we're vulnerable with each other. And so we meet regularly for sure Monday nights, Friday mornings, and then different times throughout the week just to check in. You know, it's easy to serve beside people and not really know that, you know, not know who they are, not know where they come from. And so I would say first and foremost, we we make a lot of effort to um, to see them, to know who they are, to hear their story. And, uh, and it just connects you on a deeper level. And I think it makes the serving all the more fun. And of course, I mean, there's so many different flavors on our team, you know, I think that's what we love about it. It's they bring their uniqueness, their individuality. And I think that every person kind of shows us another side of God, you know, his playfulness, his steadiness, his, just his character is you know, attributed in us and all kinds of different expressions. And so I think sometimes when we put that kind of lens on and go like, gosh, I've got something to learn from you. I've got things to learn about God because of your story and your testimony and who you are. And so I don't know, it it is pretty special. It, It seems like it's something only the hand of God can do to bring everyone together the way he does to have such a, a phenomenal time. But we, we really do have incredible leadership as I'm sure Paul, you got experience and uh, these guys are young and they are phenomenal. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> two observations, two observation. First, you know, we're talking about God and um, you know, this is a Christian ministry and the week that I was there, there were a couple guys that were brought, to it, and I say brought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> necessarily want to go, but they didn't. They, yeah. A lot of these, some of these guys are alcoholics, addicted to yeah. drugs. And this is not like some AA retreat. This is just a normal mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. empty, you need your cup filled, um, addicted to drugs, not sure if they even believe in God. Right. And, and what was amazing is after we left, you know, we have a group text. Um, and sometimes you got to mute it because it keeps going and going and going. Everybody <laughs> loves each other and wants to keep talking to each other. But we discovered that um, a couple of those individuals stopped doing drugs. And oh, started, amen. And started praying. Yes. And, and the second observation is with those 20-something kids that you you know, 20 year olds, young college kids, these kids leave home, they make application. You don't know really too much about their home life or anything. And this is a trust that you've placed in God that he has led these kids to this place. In their serving, they find themselves so true that if we lose ourselves in the service of God, but we find ourselves... And having been a youth counselor as a as a teen, you know, as a college kid, I was a youth counselor on campuses. On, mm-hmm. and I saw how kids would come and get involved and serve. Because, bottom line, you can tell me more about this and elaborate on this. But don't you think that if a kid just knows they're valued and you mm. you give them a job and let them know they have a purpose that, yeah that is how you get them on a path I, I think that absolutely is right i think you know we've all got things in our background that we've got to wade through and sift through but but at the end of the day when people speak to 
who we are or who they know we can be. Sometimes we're we're calling out who you are in the future. You know, that might not be who you are right now, but this is what I see on you. This is the person I see you becoming. Um, yeah, I think validation and encouragement actually grows us up. It grows us up into maturity to become the people that that God has in mind for us to be. So I think that's a big deal. Words of affirmation are a huge deal around our refuge culture. And um, we want to call up the gold every time. And sometimes that that takes a magnifying glass. We joke, you know, I mean, sometimes it takes some work to to call on things and people. But um, but absolutely, I think that brings about transformation. I think it gives us purpose. I think when other people see us for who we are and and who we think we are, sometimes sometimes maybe we think we're those people, but no one can see it in us. And other times, I think we don't even know that. So when someone speaks to that, it's it almost brings revelation to us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that you you uh, you hit on some really good points that we do kind of discover without intention um, mm. what God wants us to do or what he's doing. And we start to recognize a higher power, something beyond mm-hmm. our control, shaping our destiny, which is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you've traveled a lot. You've spoken to churches a lot. You've yeah. acted with leaders and people who are serving. Um, so the big question, because I know, from my personal experience, there's so many highs and lows. There's days where you just don't feel like getting up in the morning and going to help people. And then days, <laughs> but then afterwards, you're always like, whoa, that, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like getting up to my wife. You know, she gets up every morning to go to the gym. She yeah. doesn't always want to go, but she's, you know, she's an Enneagram one. And I think Brian yeah. said you're an Enneagram one. Uh, and, you just, <laughs> and if you don't know what the Enneagram test is, everybody's got to go Google the Enneagram test and take it. It'll help you understand the dynamics of your family. But uh, I digress. But you, uh, mm-hmm. you have to go out and you have to do these things. How do you wake up in the morning? How do you, pre- you know, we talked about this at the beginning. How yeah. do you prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? knowing you have to go in and, and serve or mm-hmm. how do you get that desire? Yeah. Yeah. The, well, that's good. Paul. <laughs> um, usually it starts with a shot of whiskey and then I move. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, a little help um, from Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really got to, um, I've got, I got some morning rituals that are really good for me to bring balance. You know, I, it's hard for me if my kids wake up before me and the house is already in, in motion before I wake up. So I'm an early riser. I've got to just get before the Lord. This is me personally. And I've got to, um, you know, the Bible gives us different practices that are really good for us. Meditation, putting on the armor of God, um, prayer, you know, the, those things are really important for me to just get quiet, to listen to some music, to, to call my spirit to attention and open myself up. I, one of the greatest privileges of being a son or daughter, you know, in the Lord is that we have the ability to hear from him. We get to hear his voice. We get to perceive his workings. And so uh, it's, 
I think because of how I'm wired and maybe a little bit of how I'm gifted, I've really got to hear what's on the Lord's heart for that day. Uh, if, you know, when you're responsible for so much, I feel a great responsibility for our staff. We've got 65 of them and, um, I can't walk into a day unprepared, you know, when you carry that kind of weight. And so for me, my preparedness really comes through getting quiet and, and journaling and meditation and, and just making sure I'm ready to, (laughs) to face what's coming. And I, and I feel like because God is so good, he does give me a heads up. Hey, you've got to be flexible today. Hey, you've got to, you know, just I feel like I get some marching orders, I guess, to, if you will. I, I'm, yeah. And, and it really, it really helps. Yeah. Probably being an Enneagram one, I don't love being caught off guard, but the nature of what we do, it, it demands flexibility and being nimble. And um, so I'm going to try to prepare the best that I can while understanding I've got to, I've got to be greatly fre- flexible throughout the day. Yeah. 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 So in your, so in the book, um, Throwing Confetti, great title, by the way, Becoming a Voice of Hooray in a Hurting yeah. World. You know, it, it says that both you and your husband and your two children practice this hooray thing. Uh, yeah. What is that? Is that just an expression of, you know, throw the party excited, let's have a good time? <laughs> you know, it's it's a little bit of... Both, I guess. Um, we used to call it um, celebration Sundays. You could do it any day of the week, but we would just pick one person to really affirm that week, and we would speak to their gifts and their talents and their strengths. And by the way, we do this with our team a lot too. After Friday morning meeting, we just um, we just say, "Hey, like, get with two to three people next to you and and talk about speak to the things that you see that are gifted in them and." And as we started doing that, it was really interesting because we would be speaking to Asher's um, strengths and his gifts and his abilities. And Ruby would start getting really sad. You know, she would go like, gosh, don't, don't you think I'm gifted? Don't you think I'm good at that? Don't you think I, and I started going like, you know what? Wow. We still do this. We, we sometimes think that, that in addition for someone else means a subtraction from us. You know, and I think you've got to learn at an early age that when I'm looking at a quality, a, a trait in someone else, it it has nothing to do with you. It, it takes nothing away from you. It doesn't diminish anything. We're just speaking to the good in them. And, and if I can teach my kids that at an early age, then I think they're going to have a less comparative, competitive lens. Uh, with the people around them and they're going to, when we, when we could settle into our strengths, I think we can more easily bless and encourage the people around us. Yeah. Because it's only saying something about them. It's, it's not taking anything away from us. Yeah. Yeah. You touch on something really interesting. I remember as a kid, our, there were eight of us and my parents would have us kneel in a circle. So we're kind of facing wow. each other. And then they would offer a prayer. Um, later, mm. in, have a prayer in the evening as well. And that's where one of us would say the prayer. But in the morning, it was usually one of my parents. And they'd kind of go around the room and say something great. Prayer was yeah. kind of, there were There were eight of us, so it was kind of a long prayer. But they'd say something great. <laughs> and then my wife, along with what you, maybe it's the Enneagram one thing, but my wife, like you, <laughs> with 
with the, the kids, we do this thing, and listener, this may be helpful, like what Deanna mm-hmm. We sit down in a room, we unplug, and we go around the room, and you have to look at the other person in the face. You have to look at their eyes. Yeah. Say what you love about that person. Yeah. And you do it with each other. And and then the tears from the teenager mm. start to come and the love of God, you know, and the love of each other starts to pour into the every vessel mm-hmm. in our we're so filled with light of our mm-hmm. value. It is such a powerful practice. Um and you guys are doing that. So I love the hooray mm. program. Everybody go <laughs> try this. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a little awkward at the beginning. <laughs> but if you, if you can take the initiative and, and I, I, when I started, I just start balling right off the bat and I'm such a, yeah. you know, Enneagram four. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about, <laughs> you have five steps on how to start becoming his voice of hope today. The first one is mm-hmm. know the real enemy. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that. What do, you mean? what do you mean by know the real enemy? I love what the Bible says that our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and principalities and and the darkness. And And I think there's all kinds of enemies we face. You know, we can face a... Um, an enemy that we can't see, you know, that, that plagues us. We can face the enemy of our flesh, that part of us that wants to self-sabotage or, um, you know, whatever that looks like for us uniquely. And, and we've got, we've got all kinds of other enemies. We've got, uh, you know, relational enemies, we've got financial enemies, we've got the enemies of fear, the enemy of, uh, depression and, shame and you know there there's a slew of enemies and so i think we've got to identify the thing that that's really plaguing us and and i think when we have understanding into into our enemy um i i just think identification is such a big deal you know we we don't know what we don't know and when we start to know and have recognition uh we can kind of move into those other steps you know i love when earlier we talked about the table. And, and I love in Psalm 23, it says that the Lord anoints me. He anoints my head in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, there's all kinds of enemies that sit with us at our tables. And, uh, and I'm not even talking real enemy, you know, physical enemies. Sometimes it's just um, panic or whatever that looks like. They're at our dinner tables, our office tables. They're, they're all they're all kinds of places. And so to really identify that, to give that to the Lord, it, I think we there's a lot of exchanges we've got to make, you know, and maybe not have to, but we have the opportunity to. And if I can look at those things like the intimidation, the things that are kind of plaguing me today, what that's my that was my enemy this morning and kind of get before the Lord and hand it over to him and just go like, God, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is here, but I, I'm feeling this sense of dread, this sense of whatever. And so I'm just going to ask for your life to be more full in me, that, that that this intimidation would be replaced with boldness, with courage, with confidence. And um, 
you know, I, I think we can better exchange and give to other people out of a, out of a more pure place, a more whole and healed place. And I think that starts by looking at what some of our enemies are. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'm going to skip the next three steps because I want people to read your book. <laughs> I love it. Please go get the book. And, uh, but I want to move to step five because I think this is, no, actually I want to go to step four. So I'm going to skip two and the last one, because these are great, great things that you talk about in the book, but step four, this is a difficult thing. Mm. And, and, and there is a scripture where the Lord says, let your conversation be yay, yay and nay, nay. Mm-hmm. Very, very clear on how you communicate. You say focus on true and honest words. What is that? Yeah. And how in yeah. world do you pull that off? Yeah, that's that's good. Well, I I think Paul Hooray doesn't always feel cheerful. You know what I mean? I think sometimes like when I say hooray, it it can mean like, I'm just going to say fluffy, good things that make you feel good. But we're around, you know, sometimes our staff, like, or the leaders we sit with, they might need to hear a hard word. They might need to hear. And I don't mean like I'm trying to hurt them. I, I just mean like, I might have to be honest with you about some things that you're doing or some things that are bringing some destruction to your life. And that might not feel good, you know, but if I can do that from a place of love where I'm not doing it out of my own insecurity or my own frustration or angst or pain, kind of going back to that last point, but but if I can say something true and honest and, and loving, I really think that I'm bringing hooray to their life so that because hooray is to be a benefit to other people. And we just, you can, for me, I've had to learn this the hard way. You can say a lot of true things uh, that are not hooray. <laughs> they're just true, but it doesn't mean they're going to be better for it. It doesn't mean your relationship's going to be better for it. And, um, and so I've learned to couple truth with, you know, the grace, the love of God. And, um, and you're right. That is quite a challenge. And I think we've got to also be real careful if, if we've been invited to that place to actually say true and honest things to someone, uh, because that's another story, you know, situation too, that, that we can get into where no one's really asking for our, our opinion. And so to say something true and honest, even if it's in love, when a heart is not ready to hear from you, uh, you know, we can make quite a mess of our confetti that way. Yeah. <laughs> we can stumble when we're talking to our spouse, true and honest words. Yes. You know, Jordan, yeah. Jordan Peterson said something really interesting. He says, next to the wrestle with God, marriage is the greatest wrestling match mm. of all time. That's it so says, good. says it in such a positive way that if you go into marriage expecting that's going to solve your lust. Mm. It's going to solve yeah. It's going to solve your everything. It, it, that's a lie. You're entering yeah, sure. this wrestle. Uh, absolutely. I think you said it. I mean, Mary, I heard this quote that says marriage is supposed to make us holy, not whole. And I think that that's the wrestle towards consecration, towards dying to ourselves, towards serving another person, wanting someone's 
someone else's good over our own, you know, our selfishness rubs up against them. And, and it, it, that is exactly what it feels like at times as a wrestling match. And I think, you know, the great thing about longevity in marriage is, is you start understanding your own tendencies really well. You know, I think for me, um, truth has always come real quick (laughs) and I can be real quick with it and a little too blunt. And my tone is not always what I think it is. And Brian now just has to give me a look and I'm like, Oh yeah, I heard it. I heard, I'm so sorry. I heard myself, you know, but, but I think it's, um, in that wrestling, you start to bend the knee a little more towards each other and, and start to get down real low and, and, really can start to be able to serve and, and see from their perspective. And, um, if we're willing to learn, I think we've got to be, um, humble learners. Yeah. Otherwise this wrestling matches, you know, I don't want to do that for, for 80 years. That's for sure. (laughs) Don't don't be revealing step two because (laughs) 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 yeah, I, I really think what you've got going on in this book is worthy of people promoting, um, it's so sincere and real. And, you know, I love what your friend Kim Walker Smith, I listen to her music all the time mm. when she said the happiest leaders, yeah. the happiest leaders are the ones who know how to serve by calling out the best. Amen. Yeah. That true and honesty of looking somebody in the eye. If you have the strength and this becomes, a mm-hmm. you practice this of looking them in the eye and telling them, gosh, you are so amazing the way you do this, the way you do that. Yeah. So encouraged and inspired, you know, um, by the way you take care of this and take care of that. We don't do enough of that, do we? We, we definitely don't. And, and I think it's qu- quite honestly so amazing to me. I mean, the people we get around the table and just even for our listeners, the people you admire or look up to or the people you're next to, sometimes I think we think they know how gifted they are. They know how talented they are. They're, they know their strengths. They know. But it is amazing when you start to love and bless a leader just with your words, just like you said, tears. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if we can hear that often enough because the enemy's voice is loud. Our voice is loud. Critics are loud on social media. And, um, and I think we can't underestimate the power of just a good word, you know? Yeah. When a lot of the people that gather around those tables have massive audiences, they're constantly being told, yeah. oh, I love you. You're so wonderful. You know, they go out mm. on stages and their job is to bring light to those people. Um, and they're, they're getting praised and adulation. A great quote uh, is, adulation is poison. Because then you go wow. go home to a, a place where you're just, they know you. And mm-hmm. you're at the top of your game like LeBron when you're on the stage or you're on the radio or whatever you're doing. You go home, they know you. And I, I think this is why going home is so great because <laughs> reality sets in and you – you realize this. And then when you're sitting around the table with these people and they're able to pour out, gosh, you know, I, I love the attention, but it, you know, it was great when this fan said to me, I really liked this specific song and this lyric because it was like, wow, they, they didn't just want a photo with me. They, yes. they just, they just wanted to, they wanted to share something I was feeling. Absolutely. Connected with God. 
that way. I always tell people, if you get a chance to meet a celebrity before you take the selfie, <laughs> um, <laughs> have a selfie, but before you take that, please tell them something the way we're talking about, look them in the eye and tell right. them really specifically admire about what they're doing. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's not praise void of connection. I, I think ultimately people want to be connected and, and known and seen. Um, and it, it's just what you're saying. It speaks to their gifts. It speaks to their talent. It's like, gosh, God gave me that gift. And I, I put a voice to it. I, I put a lyric to it and it really blessed you. And, and I love that, that we get to say, Hey, that did something in me, you know? And, um, I, I think our gifts and our talents are always supposed to do that. They're supposed to be to the, the benefit of others to bring more connection. Yeah. That's so good. It's beautiful. Well, Deanne, the book is throwing confetti, becoming a voice of hooray in a hurting world. You can, uh, listener, the website is throwingconfetti.com. The book is out, everybody. Go get... Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's, it's out. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Thanks. Brian, hi, and we'll see you in the summer. That will do, Paul. I look forward to it. Thanks again. Because <laughs> you took my scars, bruises and Number one, Billboard pianist Paul Cardall. Do you believe in miracles and second chances? Over a decade ago, I was raised from the dead. Read Paul's story, The Broken Miracle, by J.D. Netto. Visit thebrokenmiracle.com.